The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, welcome once again to the program Afternoons with Mike here on the Shepherd Radio Network. I am privileged today to have sitting in our studio, David Piccolo, Dr. David Piccolo from Palm Beach Atlantic University. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thanks for for bringing me here. Well, it's our joy to bring you in and to have this chat with you. Your particular study through your life has been in the the whole general theme of leadership. And not too many people that I've ever had the privilege of talking to has a PhD in leadership. Now, that's to me, that's very impressive. I love it. I believe that God's called every man to be a leader. I believe that that we're all called to to lead our homes. I believe there are such wonderful calls on people of every sector of business, of every sector of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, this whole thing, the big umbrella of leadership, isn't a big deal. It, it is extremely big, Mike. Um, you know, in our classes, we... We discuss that a lot. We we veer away sometimes from the book and get down to the nitty gritty. And uh, quite frankly, being a leader in this world, in this realm we live in, uh, is no easy task. Mm-hmm. Whether you're a leader of your household or you're a leader of a corporation, uh, you're dealing with a lot of people. And um, I think sometimes we don't put enough emphasis on people and we put too much emphasis on uh, what we have tactically in front of us. And, uh, you know, the, the, uh, that happens a lot in our conversations when we talk about the relational, emotional impact of leading mm-hmm. and what that takes. And it does take a lot it, yeah. because it, it's encompassing so many different aspects of our lives. And you think about it from a business standpoint, there's got to be the solid leadership that's guiding that business. Typically, it's from the owner, but not always exclusive to the owner, obviously. The general manager, the managers, even the department heads mm-hmm. have got to have this heart behind it or it shows up. Mm-hmm. A problem down at the lowest levels of any organization, it's going to be reflective of what's going on at the leadership level at the top of that organization. So it's really great to have you in here. Now, we'll get more into the leadership aspect in a moment. First of all, tell us about you. Where did you grow up, and how did you come to know the Lord? Well, I grew up in uh, my first seven years of life was in a place called New Providence, New Jersey, and uh, a very quaint little town outside of about 18 miles west of New York City. Uh, but didn't spend a lot of time there because my mom loved Daytona Beach, where all her family was from. So uh, we moved back to Daytona, or moved to Daytona, in about 66. And uh, I did all my formal schooling in Volusia County schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, Went to Seabreeze High School, played basketball. Ah, Uh, did you really? Yes, sir. Did you uh, play with Vince Carter? No, that was, I was before Vince. You were before Vince, <laughs> <Yes>. okay. <laughs> yes, but I wasn't far 
from him where he lived. Um, and then went on to graduate from Spruce Creek because they built the new school, which was Spruce Creek. We were the first graduating class, 1976, and played for an incredible coach. Uh, all my coaches in high school and junior high were incredible people that I, to this day, I think back of the little things that they taught. You know, I could look at uh, Lou Brooks in ninth grade, mm-hmm. uh, a, a hard-nosed guy with a soft heart. Um, you know, I could look at Marshall Bradley in uh, 10th grade as my JV coach and what he taught and his passion uh, and how tough he could be, but also how loving Coach Jerry Chandler, who's recently passed uh, Seabreeze Junior, Seabreeze High School, uh, just the s- systematic approach to coaching and just his planning and preparation and commitment. And Coach Joe Piggott, uh, who has passed also, but, um, and just his discipline and what he taught me about how to manage people. Uh, he was very, uh, very, very instrumental in informing my thoughts and my coaching. When I started my career of teaching and coaching, I used a lot of those attributes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And those came to you as you were just part of a team. Right. And that just goes to show the impact of leadership. Mm-hmm. and how that that impacted you through athletics. But that is true in just about any study or any form of college that's there. There's going to be that prevailing impact of leadership mm-hmm. that is going to trickle down to to the student level. Yeah, that's so really, true. That's really great that you had that. Well, what was it like growing up in Daytona Beach? Well, De- Daytona back then was uh, still pretty quaint. Uh, we did have our transit times, but for the most part, part, you know, you could get in your bike and ride. We lived on the South end and South peninsula. I would ride my bike all the way to Seabreeze sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not parents wouldn't worry about that. You know, we, we just would ride our bikes. That was about six and a half, seven mile jaunt. And then you'd have basketball practice and you turn around and ride back. Mm-hmm. So we were in great shape. Uh, but also, um, it was a fun place. You know, you could go surfing and we were on split schedules at the high school. So, you know, I would wake up at early first light and I'd be in the ocean surfing and, uh, go catch the bus at eight thirty. So and, you've already done surfing by yeah, then. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, which nowadays looking back, it's, uh, I don't know if I'd be doing that in the early morning when, uh, you know, sharks, sharks, sharks are known to be prowling, looking yeah. for, different bait and uh, what have you. So, And just a little south from you in New Smyrna, uh, that's called often the shark capital of Florida right there, yeah. if not the world. Yeah. I don't think it is the world, yeah. but uh, maybe in this part of Florida. But yeah, you're right. It's yeah. not exactly safe. No, no, it isn't. So, But you know, you're, you're 16, 17 years old and you, know, you didn't even have those thoughts then. Yeah. And, and, and also, let's look at it back then. We didn't have all the the media, mm-hmm. the hype. Mm-hmm. You know, you might hear it on the it was three news channels, you know, and uh, you know you didn't have all everything that was happening immediate. It took time for information to get somewhere. Yeah, and so now everybody, you know, it's it's programmed in our minds. So a little different. It is a lot different, and of course that's pre Jaws. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that movie kind of changed a lot yeah. of things too. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a beautiful area. We really love Ormond Beach yeah. and vacation there at a resort that we just love. Yeah. 
And that's where our, my family for the last oh, 12 years or so has hung out in the summertime. We try to get there once a year. It's so much fun to go. Yeah, it is. More Ormond's a nice, it's a little bit of, you know, away from the, the beaten path, mm-hmm. but there's some really quaint uh, restaurants on A1A as you're heading towards Flagler uh, that are, they're exceptional. Wonderful. And, uh, now we like that area too. So were you guys a, a family that went to church together? We were a family that went to church. I was raised in a Catholic home. Um, and for many years, uh, that's what I, you know, Catholic faith, but my mother, I'll never forget this. I was in seventh grade and I said to her, um, Hey, there's a, there's a, um, a summer camp at the Baptist church, you know? And, uh, she said, well, how much is it? (laughs) And I said, well, it's $13 for the whole week. She said, you're going. (laughs) And so, um, that's great. So I ended up going and, you know, right there, I, I got a deep, deep understanding of the Bible. Uh, we'd have Bible study in the mornings. We'd have night. Somebody would speak at night and I believe God really worked on my heart in a special way. Mm. And I just saw just this, just this fun along with scripture and, and just, you know, um, so the, the last night there, um, I gave my heart to the Lord as a seventh grader. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, now I wish I could tell you, you know, I did everything perfect from that point. I wish I would have too, <laughs> but I didn't. Yeah, right. Um, but I can tell you, I can tell you clearly, uh, that was a root that yeah. the Lord put in me. And, um, as I went through high school, you know, you know, 11th grade, 12th grade, I started attending, uh, more evangelical churches and, uh, mostly, you know, and, and, and to me, you know, Methodist, Baptist. I mean, I don't, I don't think the Lord's going to say, well, what were you? Uh, he wants our heart. Mm-hmm. He, he wants to know who we are. He wants to know how deep we are and how, how much we believe in him and, uh, how much we're doing his work here on earth. So, but I got the most fruit from that, from attending, you know, more evangelical churches and and uh, that's what i've been doing since since then it's really amazing isn't it the impact that a week one week at a camp what it can do and the change that it can bring Mm -hmm. not to just that person for where they are right then but for the rest of their lives that's why when I, i and i went to that i went back to the church where uh that you know represented this this summer program and that was First Baptist in Daytona. Mm-hmm. And I walked in there and I just got this, you know, incredible feeling that this was the place. This was the represent. Obviously, the Lord was the representation, mm-hmm. but the church was utilized in a special way. Yeah. And um, it's a special place to me because of that. And so um, actually one of the one of the guys that I coached and. Uh, let's see, it's Spruce Creek. I think he's a pastor there now. So there, there's connections all over the place. You know, I think parents today have to work hard to try to make up for what is not available. Like what happened to you in your life? You mentioned a couple of things that really are not done that much anymore today. Number one, kids were 
more outside and doing things yeah. outside. There was no internet. Yeah. There was not the distraction of media to the degree that we have it today. I mean, everyone carries around in their pocket now a computer and a video screen and a, a kind of a window, if you will, into the world. Yeah. We didn't have that back then. So yeah. you spent a lot of time on your bike oh, yeah. getting physical exercise, which was really great, and playing sports, another thing that so many don't even bother uh, to to try. Yeah. And, and But you said something that I think is so great about that camp. Not only did you learn about God, but you saw the associated level of fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah. those two things go hand in hand. And again, I'm just thinking that a lot of young people today would never make right. that connection. Yeah. Quite frankly, um, I wish there was a second week. <laughs> uh, and, and my mother probably would have sent me <laughs> for another $13. <laughs> but um, Best $13 yeah. investment ever. It uh, There was a level of fun. There was a level of friendship. And I really, really um, felt a real connection to the counselors, to the pastor leading that, uh, and, and the other folks, um, a special connection Mm -hmm. uh, that I hadn't felt before. Now, apart from your understanding the gospel story, which you heard, and that obviously made a big impact, you gave your heart to the Lord. What changes in your life do you remember seeing that came from that experience? Maybe immediately. Well, I think I think uh, my the Lord began to put in my heart more of a sense of humility. Um, you know, I'd grown up as a pretty pretty strong athlete, and you know, uh, sometimes hey, if you weren't doing it my way, it wasn't the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean it all went away at once. But the seed of humility was planted, uh, and that's something we're, we're we're constantly in war with, you know, with with our hearts mm-hmm. is humility versus pride, and that hubris pride that wants to integrate us and say, you know, I don't want to listen to anybody's take on me because I know me, and I have this self deception that me is mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. I'm great. And yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I believe that was a seed that was planted where, um, I'm not perfect with that even to this day, but I know the Lord is constantly whispering in my ear, be quiet and listen. You're talking too much. You know, I know you're a leader and you think you've got all the right moves here, but you've got to listen wow. and, and, and listening to people in leadership is an art. It's an art. It really is. And But I also think that art comes from putting ourselves in perspective, mm-hmm. putting our own selves, because if we don't, we miss a great opportunity to build a connection. Mm. And, and, and I see so many, because uh, I, I do consultant work too, I do some speaking and training, which I love, and I, one of the areas we talk about is this is this wound up organization that doesn't have time for its people. Okay, and and I understand it. I've been in big organizations. I was an area superintendent, principal of huge high schools, and I I understand that. But I also was trained that you always take time, 
no matter who it is for your people mm-hmm. somehow, even if it's a call after hours. You know, I, I worked for an incredible superintendent in Brevard County, and I'm going to mention his name and he probably won't care. Uh, Dr. Richard DePatry. And he was there nine, almost 10 years in Brevard, mm-hmm. which is, which is really for a superintendent. If you look at the average, it's about 2.98 to 3.2. Mm. That's the average they last. He was there and really could have gone another three. But what made him so good was he understood he couldn't do it alone. And he relied on quality people. And he fed those people, just like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew his disciples that he picked weren't perfect, right? The 12, they weren't. They were not perfect yeah. at all. Matter of fact, in today's world, we look at that and go, where did these guys come from? Yeah, why did he choose yeah, that guy? Yeah. But Dr. DePatry had this innate ability to be truthful, to be straightforward and honest, but also to say, David, that's your family. Go take care of it. Uh, and, and not everybody has that. Uh, he was the guy, kind of guy you wanted to work for. Mm-hmm. You wanted to work hard and you wanted to, to, to do the best for him. And in return, he reciprocated by, he knew that. He knew it and he took care of you in, in, through that. He shepherded also as far as leading. That's a powerful tool. And it's a powerful model for yeah. a young man like yeah. you yeah. who God has called to, to not only exemplify leadership in your own life, but to teach it. Yeah. That, it, that's, it that's quite a model to have. Yeah. Well, and you know, I tell my students all the time, listen, the book is a great thing and it's great to research and you're supposed to research. And the more you research, the more you read, that's great. But let me tell you something. Sometimes what's in there when you're sitting in that seat, isn't in the book, okay? It's in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's in how you react. It's in how you pray through each situation. You know, there's been many a times in my career where I've had to make tough decisions. And I'd be sitting in my office at 5, 5.30 in the afternoon. Everybody else is gone. And I'd just be, the Lord is in there. We're praying. And I'm saying, Lord, it's been a tough decision. Today, mm-hmm. I feel alone. Mm-hmm. I, I feel you feel alone. That's it. And uh, and basically, I don't have to be alone. That's right. We're not alone, and I am thankful for that. Doctor David Piccolo is my guest. We're going to be back with him for another segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike right here on the Shepherd. What an honor it is to have David Piccolo, Doctor David Piccolo from Palm Beach Atlantic. University. And he teaches not only in the the online programs for leadership uh, with PBA, but he's also involved in a, a few other schools as well. And I'm grateful that people around the country are realizing the gifting that God has given you in this thing called leadership. Mm-hmm. And it really is, uh, again, for me as having been a pastor for 36 years, I can tell you how important what you do is and the the standards that God's called you to keep and to teach are really right out of the Bible. And and it's so easy for me to hear you say that you were so impacted at that youth camp as a young boy yeah. because those principles are the things that God was calling you mm-hmm. to. Yeah. 
No, you're you're right, Mike. That that I believe that was the root and where it began. And um, you know, the the Lord's been leading since then. Uh, we don't always stay on the track. Sometimes we veer. Sometimes our own human emotions mm-hmm. take us in different directions. But ultimately, I know he's he was always there and still is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Leadership is something again that's not going to go away. And there's a, that's a good study that's going to have a long shelf life <laughs> because we need leaders. And I think right now, David, more than ever before in our country. We need people of conviction and leadership. Yeah, we do, Mike. Um, and that's why I take it so serious. My wife wonders why sometimes I take it so serious. I said, honey, we've been in this business for 42 years. And, and I say we, because that's another part of leadership. Mm-hmm. You can't do it alone. If that's you're, right. Your, your wife and your spouse is very, it's a very important part of your balance of your emotional balance. Because if you have, a spouse that says, you know, I really don't want you to take that job. It's too much away from, you know, the family, uh, you know, it's too many nights out, which it is. A lot of jobs are in leadership uh, that can weigh on you. And uh, I can tell you right now, my wife, Sherry, um, over the years, I never heard her say that once. Mm. And we're having our 30, we just had our 30th anniversary. Congratulations. And, uh, you know, I can say that she's an incredible mom. She's an incredible wife. She's just an incredible person. And uh, if you looked at her dad and her mom, you'd find out why. Mm-hmm. They're quality people. And so, yeah, the uh, the leadership role is not just showing up in an office, sitting down and barking orders. Uh, it's much more vast than that. Mm-hmm. If you want to be effective and you want to be somebody that's respected and does things with integrity, it's much more vast than that. You know, when you think about uh, the fact that so many families, husbands, wives, uh, they in the church even, they they bail out through divorce. Mm-hmm. What what do you think the the number one leadership key that was not employed? in, in that situation? What, what would you see that to be? Well, I think when you're making a decision, when you're, when you're, you always have to make a decision as a leader, especially as you move up the ladder based on what's in the, not only the best interest of you and your personal desires, but if you have a family, what's in the best interest of that family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes not easy. Uh, you know, that was one of the reasons when, I early retired when I retired as superintendent in Brevard or area superintendent, mm-hmm. Dr. DePotri was superintendent. When I retired there, I got some of the most incredible counsel I could ever get from a few people around me because I had been, I had been voted to be superintendent of Indian river County in 2007. Wow. In May of 2007. And, uh, if we had more time, I'd tell you that story. But basically, um, I prayed through that. I had no peace. And uh, about three weeks later, I called them and I declined the position. And it wasn't for any reason down there. It was me. It was because God was beginning to do, was still doing, now another work in me. Mm-hmm. And through that, about three months later, after a 
incredible sermon by our pastor, uh, Troy Dobbs at First Baptist, Merritt Island, um, July 24th, 2007. I remember that day. Um, I went up to Troy and I said, Troy, um, I'm ready to come take the job because he had been asking me what I consider being the superintendent of Merritt Island Christian School. And my pride was saying, wait a minute, 720 kids, 22,000, which I had as area superintendent. Come on, this is, this is too easy. Mm-hmm. This isn't the big leagues for Dave Piccolo. Well, over about three or four months, the Lord began to reveal to me that it doesn't matter your call, what, how big things are. It's about your impact. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 50 years old. So even at that point, I hadn't fully gone 30 years, got about close to 25. So I had facing me, Lord, what do I do? I mean, you know, you want me to early retire? Do you want me to, and now, you know, take the job? Basically, I early retired, took all my benefits, and, uh, you know, obviously didn't get what I would have gotten the last four years of the Florida retirement system, which it was much more, would have been much more. But I also came to the conclusion that I don't know what tomorrow brings. Mm -hmm. James says in, in, in James, he says, you know, we don't know what tomorrow brings. We make plans and we make do all the things. Did we ask God? Did did we, did we consult him? Did we ask him? Because your life's like a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So, you know, when, when I did that, that's what, how the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't really know what tomorrow will bring, but I do know one thing. I'm going to honor God with this call, and I'm going to hope and pray that it gives me the ability now to, to not just have a job, mm-hmm. not that the job I had wasn't good, it was very good, but now have an everyday significance that I could spread out in, in the Christian mm-hmm. realm. And so that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I never look back and say, gosh, I should have, shouldn't have done that, Lord, um, because he's opened up so many other doors since then. Yeah. I think it's so hard for people to not do what you just said. I, I know that's something that I has been tempted to be in my own life, regret, yeah. the the whole issue of regret and, and pouring over your mm-hmm. decisions. Yeah. It's not very profitable at all, no. and at times can be quite detracting to what you mentioned earlier, the peace that was in your your heart. And we don't, I, I believe, we don't value that peace enough yeah. when it comes to decisions. Right. We need to make the decisions not only on the basis of what some people would say, yeah, well, that makes sense, or this is the right call, or you'll have a greater opportunity for income if you take this job. But very rarely do we say, what you said, God, what's your will? And where's the peace of God in my heart over it? Yeah. That's that's what you did. Yeah. No, that's, that's so true. Now I can tell you, uh, it's, it's made the next, the last, you know, from that point on, it's made, you know, nothing's permanent anyway, but it's also created a little bit more of, okay, Lord, what's next for us? Mm -hmm. You know, that type of thing, rather than being in a system for 35, 38 years where I could have stayed there, you know, till I retired really in Brevard. 
and because that's where I was and mm-hmm. that's uh, you know that's the type of platform I was in but it's also made made me more reliant on okay lord what do you want from me what are we doing next how are we influencing people next mm-hmm. um and obviously palm beach atlantic for the last 3 years has been another answer to a lot of prayer now you're involved not only in the orlando campus but uh, also you teach down at the uh, west palm i teach one course in the summer summer b term mm-hmm. down there called finance for leaders and I love it. Um, we actually redesigned that course and, made, and geared it more toward, okay, as a leader, what are your responsibilities dealing with finance in your organization, not as an accountant? And so we've, we've, we've really made it more relative to the program, and it's been pretty successful in the last few years. Now, speaking of the last few years, COVID has made its uh, nasty mark in so many different ways on education as well as business. How uh, are you guys feeling right now at this current state? I mean, we've just had uh, the doctor that (laughs) that we've all come to know as Dr. Fauci (laughs) has made the statement uh, that it is functionally over in the U.S., that we're, we're no longer in the pandemic, which... I was number one shocked to hear him say that, quite yeah. frankly, yeah. but I think it was long overdue for him to say that. I'm grateful that he did, but it's still the impact of of the last couple of years are going to be with us for a while. Yeah, well, we've we saw it going through it when it first began. We lost some students. Um, you know, we moved, we shifted. You know, professors did an incredible job shifting all their mm-hmm. work to, you know, that one summer, you know, from March to August of 2020. You know, yeah. Uh, shifting everything to an online hybrid type zoom format. Um, and still were highly effective, but through that, I noticed, you know, some people waning, uh, we tried to keep the relationships together, but we did lose, we lost a few. And I think, you know, it might have it might have squelched some interest from that point into the next year uh, for people rebounding through it. So, um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a struggle, you know. Uh, but certain programs, you know, if you look at them like the counseling end of things, have blown up mm-hmm. because of the need for counseling. Uh, a lot more emotional. Um, situations at homes and with children and school. So there's definitely a much more important need in that area. Yeah. A lot of people were caught off guard by the changes that were mandated by the lockdown and they're having to educate children when they weren't used to doing that. And it certainly made a big impact. And like you said, emotionally, it takes a while for that not only to settle in, but to settle down. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It, yeah. And it did. And it's, you know, it's, I see some rebounding now and uh, we, we hope and pray that continues. But Now the role of fear in, in the heart of a leader, how would you address that? Um, fear is a, I would address it as the only, the only thing we should fear is God. Okay. Uh, and that, that's a healthy fear. That's a reverent fear, not a stymied fear. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I have to tell you, you know, fear is part of sometimes our makeup. And we, 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 we sometimes fear making decisions. Uh, we sometimes fear the outcome of those decisions. But the really strong leader prays through it, uh, is able to be decisive, and understands that not everybody is going to agree with every decision they make, um, but shouldn't base their decisions on agreement. They should base their decisions on a moral truth. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what we should be basing decisions on. You know, Abraham Lincoln was very good at that. He would base his decisions on what's morally and truthfully the right thing to do here for mankind, not for me, but for the organization that I represent. And then you can put your head on your pillow at night and go to sleep. Um, But I see more and more of uh, just basing decisions on the moment or a group of people might get upset if I don't do this. Mm -hmm. People are going to get upset anyway, I can tell you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they're going to be upset no matter what. Yeah, you can uh, please some of the people some of the time, but you're never going to please all of the people all of the time. No. That's not going to happen. Yeah. And and fear is is really, like you said, it can be something that freezes people in yeah. their tracks. It does. Yeah. And, and, they, and they need to see that we have to move beyond that. Yeah. Well, look at, look at, and I just had this conversation with a pastor. Look at, I think it's John 20, where Jesus came back to visit the disciples. Mm-hmm. And they were, it says in there, they were locked in the room. Okay. Mm. And do you really think being locked in the room was going to keep the Roman soldiers out? Nope. They'd bash the door down. Yeah. So their fear was they didn't want to be, you know, and Jesus presented to them the fact that you will have persecution, but you, you, but you were going to receive my spirit. You're and in, in 50 days after that Pentecost, Mm -hmm. They received the spirit, even though he breathed on them there. Mm-hmm. So the the strong part of that is, yes, fear is real, okay? But when we're in Christ, we should be, when every time that fear pops up, Lord, take this fear from me. Mm. This isn't me. This is me. I want you to step in here because I am so weak. And it's surprising what he will do. He is the master of leadership. (laughs) That is what he is. And there's no greater book that we could ever go to than the word of God to find the principles that we need to not only guide us in our lives and and the principles that we should be living our lives Mm -hmm. by, but to find that thing of freedom, freedom from the fears of this world. And even if it is today, thinking about uh, those that need to step into that boldness of trusting God. Mm-hmm. You know, I think COVID gave a lot of people a good excuse to lock down yeah. and, uh, and to close yeah. up. Yeah. But we've got we've to step back out and yeah. say, hey, it's okay. We need to breathe again. Mm-hmm. And I'm convinced that some people haven't joined back up with their churches yet right. because of their fear. Right. And this is a yeah. time to say, I'm going to trust the Lord mm-hmm. and not trust what yeah. I think. Yeah, so true, Mike. 
My guest today is Dr. David Piccolo from PBA, Palm Beach Atlantic University. We'll be back with him for one more segment. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. Dr. David Piccolo is my guest today in the studio. David is with Palm Beach Atlantic University, a, a, a place that we have uh, we just love here. I mean, we love Joe Sharp. Joe's been on my program a number of times. You mentioned in our discussion earlier, Martha, mm-hmm. we've had her up here as yeah. well, and she's yeah. been on the program as well as others, and it is a real delight. I've had uh, some folks from down at the PBA campus in West Palm Beach. Mm-hmm. I'll call in on a couple of times, and that's always fun to talk with them too. Yeah. Now, one of the things that we were mentioning in the break that you do, you're associated as a consultant, mm-hmm. and there's an or- organization, a Christian organization, uh, that you've kind of uh, had a developing relationship mm-hmm. with. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so it's the, it's Christian Educators Association International, and the executive director uh, is David Schmoos, real fine Christian man, strong leader. Um, and uh, we met back in 2018, and uh, I didn't know that it would you know, become something, uh, but we stayed in touch and uh, began to help them voluntarily with some things and did some speaking at a few of the meetings here in this area. Um, and then uh, started helping them out as a consultant. Um, just contractually, uh, back in January. And, uh, basically what that consists of is, is help assisting our public school educators, uh, whether it be principals or, um, teachers, staff members, whatever, uh, help them navigate through some areas. You know, COVID was a big thing with Mm -hmm. the mandates and, we had to answer a lot of questions about vaccine, unvaccinated, non-vaccinated type issues, um, mask wearing. Uh, that's kind of worn off a little bit now. Now mainly dealing with some issues with um, fairness and equity in evaluations. Uh, but but it's pretty wide range what comes our way. But the biggest thing we offer them is encouragement, and we offer them God's word. And a prayer. You know, Uh, when you think about all of the leaders that are there, you mentioned principles. And I think a lot of people forget that there's got to be someone that that principal can go to. He may be the top dog in that school, but he needs help. He mm -hmm. needs at times to have, uh, as one of my friends used to say, he needs his tires pumped up. Yeah, absolutely. Because we all run a little low at times. Yeah, very true. And, uh, you know, I looked at that when I was area superintendent in Brevard as one of my roles. Uh, I was trained by an incredible guy, um, Bob Donaldson, who uh, was the longest standing area superintendent in Brevard history of 21 years, mm-hmm. which is an incredible run, uh, which I don't think will ever be broken. But um, he taught me along the way, and he was my boss, and then groomed me into you know, uh, becoming a area superintendent along with Sandy Demon, another close colleague and friend. Um, but he taught me that ultimately you can't be there all the time as the principal, You're, nor are you the principal. Your role is to give counsel, guidance, sometimes to hold accountability, 
But your main role is for them to be victorious because they're dealing with so many things during the course of a day that you want that parent to not just resonate with you, but ultimately resonate where it should be at the school level. Mm -hmm. And that was great counsel and great guidance because that's what I did for five years uh, when I would consult and, and talk with principals. Mm-hmm. and try to help them navigate through problems. Uh, and there was a lot of them. There were. Because I had, <laughs> you know, I had 20, 28 schools uh, and about 21,000 students in Area 2 of Brevard. So it was a lot of feelings. How do you think people, what do you think those that don't know the Lord, those that don't believe in the principles of leadership as defined in the Word of God. How do they approach all of this? Is it is it just by a, a trial balloon, almost like sending up a weather balloon and see which way the wind blows? Well, I you know, that's a great question, Mike, because I've seen some that, you know, weren't, quote, Christian, but obviously weren't atheists either, but just had no foundation of faith. And I watched them and, and they could be successful. And a lot of it was dealt on the fact that they were gregarious people who could mingle in, who could, you know, for the most part, people respected. But I think, I think in the long run, in the real nitty gritty, when things really get tough and all you have to rely on is that, there's a void there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mentioned to you earlier about making some big decisions as a principal throughout my career. Um, there were lonely times, but I wasn't alone. I thought I was, you know, I was lonely because nobody else physically was around mm-hmm. and people had left the school and, you know, it was five thirty, and probably my wife's saying, well, what are you doing sitting there? You know, come home. And I probably should have been home. But, you know, I worked under that old premise, you know, you don't leave the ship till everybody's gone, you know, because you're the leader, you know, and, and that, that, that perception is very important. Mm-hmm. But it also can be a little bit misleading, you know, and uh, I probably would have done things a little different now. But, um, yeah, I think they can still do it. But when things, the going gets tough, real tough, you got to have the Lord. You, you've got to have the word. You've got to have scripture. Got to have his spirit in you that no matter what the outcome is, he's going to be there with you. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it sad to see so many people trying to navigate those kinds of waters without the Lord? Yeah, it, it really is. And, and. You know, and sometimes, you know, here's the, here's the real thing. Sometimes we do it as Christians. We, we think, mm-hmm. and then we, all of a sudden we get caught up in it. And we're like, wait a minute, what am I doing here? I'm, I'm one of his. Why am I trying to do this when it's probably going to be a catastrophe? <laughs> so, you know, you learn to just step back and, and take your quiet time, prayer. Uh, I love just being... I have certain times of the day I do that. Sometimes it's on a walk. You know, you don't have to be in your seat with the Bible in front of you. It could be on a walk. 
you know, and, you know, crying out to him sincerely. And he wants a, he wants our heart. He does. He wants our heart. He wants all of us, but, you know, he wants our heart to really sincerely be in line with what he's trying to help us with. Mm. If you've just tuned in, I'm talking to Dr. David Piccolo uh, from Palm Beach Atlantic University. He is the Associate Professor of Leadership and teaches this leadership not only to the students of PBA that are in Orlando and West Palm, but you're also involved with some contractual work with speaking and training in the community. PBA is my my main role. It's my put a lot of time and investment there, and I love my students. Um, I got incredible students. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I, I get tears sometimes when I am in class and I see how good they are. And these are adults mainly. They're mm-hmm. giving up time to get their master's degree one night a week for four hours coming over to see us. And um, some of them I've had since they're undergrad. So they're very special people. Mm-hmm. But uh, PBA has had a great stance on uh, you know, maintaining a Christian uh, faith-integrated uh, line of subject into each each course. And that's, that's what wonderful. I do with my courses. Every one of my courses is set up where we have a biblical theme. And we don't just label it on the syllabus. We start every class with scripture. Hmm. Every class. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best yeah, curriculum. It is. You know, I was at a uh, radio station back in the 80s and they, uh, we had a manager's meeting, and they sent us all to this beautiful resort in Pinehurst, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was wonderful. And we had a, a, a speaker for that manager's meeting. And um, he was like one of the, I think his title would have been a motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. But what he did was he brought the principles of the Word of God. Yeah. All those three days that we were there, the teaching that we heard might well have been a sermon on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's how powerful it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really the best, uh, the best book from which we can draw these principles from. Yeah. And, and that's what you do. I have one quick question before we go today. What would be the first day like in one of your classes? What do you aim to teach in a leadership course? The first day, opening day would be what I do is give an overview of the subject. For instance, um, this last course I just finished was strategic thinking and planning. So I give an overview of what all that means. You know, it's not just you know doing a strategic plan because you have to do one. It's doing one because it's for the betterment of the organization. Mm-hmm. And how do you do a strategic plan that's effective? And what do you do with it after you put it together? You don't hide it in the back drawer. And when you're advanced ed or whoever comes to, you know, evaluate you, you pull it out and go, look, we got a five-year plan. It should be a living document. Mm-hmm. So the, the first class is really an overview of, of the class. But obviously it, the first thing we talk about is the faith integration into that. So for instance, in this last class, we did James one through five. We did the whole book of James. 
That's great. And and why I prayed about that and why I think James was important is because it's a strategic plan for mm-hmm. life, for the Christian life, uh, coming from the half brother of Christ, you know, and it's very significant. So that's how I open. Then we roll into, you know, it's kind of an overview, maybe some examples of things. I kind of ease them into it. I don't, I just don't have them. Oh, hey, read the next 10 chapters and let's just talk about the next 10 chapters. Mm-hmm. I want them to understand clearly from a relative ex- experiential point of view, what is a strategic plan and how do you get there? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, how do you get to that point? And you have to work it. Yeah. And as James would say, you cannot be double-minded. No. Yeah, that right. person is going to be like a ship out in the sea yeah. being tossed about yeah. every wind that comes along. Right. Yeah. That's what you do. Dr. David Piccolo from Palm Beach Atlantic University. How can people find you on the web? Well, you can look me up at uh, David M. Piccolo at LinkedIn.com. I do have a pretty strong presence on LinkedIn. I usually do at least a uh, excerpt a week there. Um, uh, you know, my main, my main is David underscore Piccolo at pba.edu. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, those are two ways to get a hold of me. All right. I appreciate your being here, sharing with us these principles that we all need in our lives. Dr. David Piccolo, my guest today. And friends, we thank you for joining us as well. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.